Welcome back to Queer Death Stories. It's me, Moon, and we are almost at the full moon this weekend in Gemini, my personal sun sign. And um, also, we're almost at the solstice, which feels unbelievable, but it makes a lot of sense. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a lot of that kind of reflective stillness and... I don't know, let's just be honest, kind of moody. I mean, it's also my moon cycle time, TMI, but truthfully. <laughs> so, um, and honestly, there's no such thing as TMI. Well, I don't want to say no such thing, actually. Let me take that back, but very few things shock me. So I just want to put that out there, that at this time, I'm just feeling really called to pause but also I have a deadline for myself to get season one out there for everyone who wants to hear these amazing interviews by the first. So I can start working on Queer Death Stories season two. So excited. Um, I've also, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I've been drawing a tarot card per day from this amazing deck called Tarot de Fuego by Richard Cavallo, which someone, a uh, dear friend said to me last Christmas. Um, last Yule. <laughs> and uh, so my tarot card draw for today was Knave or Page of Wands. So it feels really auspicious to be doing this incredible work and having these conversations with so many really interesting and amazing folks. And this conversation with Caitlin Couture is no different. Um, Caitlin Couture, fabulous name, fabulous person, is part of the Portland Death Doula Collective and um, friends with so many other wonderful people that I wish I could go and hang out with. But, you know, I'm here in Southern California and that's okay. You know, we're not that far from each other. But she reached out to me to talk about her pathway to becoming a death doula. And actually, I learned a lot from her in this conversation, many things, but one of the things I really enjoyed talking about was um, queerness, because I love talking to other queers about death work. And also one of the things that she pointed out is that as queers, we're just so used to being in these liminal spaces that death work just feels very natural, very organic. And I think that that's so true. And when we had this conversation, actually, it was back during coming out day. And so I was really in this like, sort of like, huh, coming out as a death worker, you know, that, that was hard. That was hard. Coming out as queer was a rite of passage and affirming. Whereas coming out as a death worker, it came from going through some heavy, heavy, ish 
So we talk a lot about that in this conversation, her pathway. And also speaking of queers, just want to say that Caitlin is a blessing because her, her, her offering, Kaim, which is a Gaelic word for sanctuary, um, another thing she taught me, is all about offering advocacy and support for end-of-life paperwork and processing. And even though paperwork might sound like, ooh, and processing also might sound a little bit like, ah, they're both really essential in helping us be present to our death and also make sure make sure that we, uh, you know that our end of life I'm getting like all excited end of life wishes are honored especially as queer people and especially as trans folks so I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did having it and afterwards please reach out to Caitlin if you have any questions or need some support because she is fabulous. Thank you so much for listening and I will be back after the episode. Yay, good morning. Yay, good morning. Oh, so, so excited to be talking to you. And it's really nice. I just want to say, and this is not being shady towards other people. Um, it's exciting to meet queer death workers um, and also on the same um, time job. Yeah. <laughs> when you were messaging me about the time, I was like, I actually know what time they mean. <laughs> I know. I, was listening, I think I was listening to your one with, um, oh gosh, Joe, is that their name? Yeah. And they were recording like from France. I'm like, how did, how did Moon even like... <laughs> figured that into their scheduling <laughs> I couldn't do it of, it's kind of built into our family life because my bonus son and his husband live in France so that was a little bit less confusing um but yeah it's like people are all over you know popping up all over the place and I'm like oh yeah I'm happy to be on the on the coast with you <laughs> yes um so we were just talking about um you know how you show up in death work and like introduce yourself um and recently i'm noticing a lot of conversation amongst us and then also you know when we introduce ourselves like i say i'm a queer death midwife if we're you know that don't know what that means they're like what does that mean so do you experience this too or you know how does that work for you um that's it's such a good question so i feel like by virtue of being in Portland, I'm a little bit in a bubble. There is a familiarity um, with death work. And, you know, I've encountered people like at farmer's markets and we'll be chatting and I'll say, oh, I'm a massage therapist and a death doula. And they'll say, oh, great. Like, and just, they kind of know all about it. This was not the experience I had when I was living in California mm-hmm. and I was volunteering for a hospice and I was living in a smaller community and I would say, oh, I, I would like to pursue um, education and work as a deaf doula. And people would do that thing of like, they would sort of inhale and like back up a little bit as if just by virtue of me saying the word <laughs> death, like I was gonna strike everybody down within like a certain radius of myself. 
Uh, so I don't know. so scary, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, if we talk about death, it's going to make it happen. Like I'm going to conjure it somehow. Um, <laughs> sorry, I totally got off topic, obviously. But, no, no. Uh, I think that I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's like when you're in places where people have no context. Exactly. Yes. And so there's still that undercurrent of like, even if you say hospice, mm. there is an uncomfortable vibe that like just sort of shades itself over the remaining conversations that I would have with people. Um, yeah. So showing up now in my work, I do call myself a death doula. Mm-hmm. And um, that is, I think, because I was trained by Elila Arthur and going with Grace. And she very much would embrace that full phrase, mm-hmm. you know, including death in our work title. Um, and that's really important to me because it's very direct. I'm talking about death. I'm talking about dying. And I, I said to somebody recently, like, I wouldn't ask a birth doula to refer to themselves as beginning of life doula Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say this and sound like callous because I know that everybody comes either to this work or to their own um, death awareness feeling feeling varying degrees of comfort with words and terms and that does matter and I try to be very sensitive to that but you know, my business card says death doula, and that is what I'm going to bring out into the world. That is going to be my service. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I introduced myself as a queer death midwife, and I know that those are very, um, you know, uh, loaded words, maybe, you know, because you're getting like queer, death, and midwife all in one. And people are like, wow, I've Either they're like, wow, that's so cool. Or like, wow, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. So yeah, or <laughs> like, like, what are these words? Yeah. <laughs> <to> me? <laughs> or it's like system overload. They're like, okay, a queer, I, I can't deal with death. Oh my God. Midwife, what the hell? Like, right. <laughs> you can like uh, see the circuit sort of firing. <laughs> like when, you know, the little computer circle happens, but it's like happening in their minds. I actually really like that. I mean, I I think like, you know, none of us, you know, that are drawn to this work are like, oh, this seems like easy or, you know, already, uh, um, you know, huge profession or, you know, it's it's a choice. We're making choices. And so I completely identify with what you're saying. Yes. Um, I love that. I love that you brought in the choice because it's not easy. And I, I wonder... If how it was for you because I know that for a lot of the people I know that have entered into death work grief work um, that it almost doesn't really feel like a choice I mean of course we, we could have said I'm going to ignore mm-hmm. this call that I hear I'm just not going to answer the phone I'm going <laughs> to unring that bell whatever um, and like walk into a different a different path but I feel like a lot of us were like I don't, I don't have a choice here. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And um, to turn away from that would have felt impossible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, definitely one of those things that I find intersectional between queerness and, and death work. And um, I think 
that's why, um, you know, I think it's really important to give space to deaf workers in general. But like I was saying, I really like talking to other queer people about it because we gotta get it. It's that situation where like, you know, this is where you belong and mm -hmm. how you feel. And you have to either ignore it, like you said, or, you know, step into your power and just be like, this is who I am. And um, <clears throat> so I think for a long time for me, I was sort of like, okay, I'm, you know, this queer person who does this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, finally it was like, when I moved to California, actually, when I, you know, saw that it was an option to work um, in death, I was like, oh, okay. I think this is what, you know, I'm supposed to do. But it was a long yeah. process of coming out as a death worker, which is funny because, you know, oh the coming out. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. I, so, much, so much more of a process than coming out as queer for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. I, I had not considered it like that for myself, but I would say that really resonates with me too. Um, that the feeling of like when I first came out or accepted queerness as part of who I was as this being here, that finding of community in that process really feels very similar to this like amazing community of deaf workers that oh. I've I've been able to kind of fall in with and like fall in love with and right. um oh it's so similar I know it's it's so interesting mm -hmm. because it's like if you don't know about our community that's you know <laughs> emerging and like growing rapidly um mm -hmm. then I guess you don't really understand um but yeah it is very similar and there is this sort of space like we were saying before we started recording, it's like, well, you show up as a death doula. I use the word midwife because I went to Sacred Crossings and Olivia uses midwife. Right. And I I don't see, you know, I also really like the word companion. I also really, you know, the words are meaningful to us and then we show up into them. But, you know, if you're a lesbian or you're bi or you're pan or you're trans or you're you know whatever you show up as it should just be like okay you know i see you and i i respect what you know what you're what you're doing um, exactly exactly yeah that that welcoming of like recognizing that somebody is claiming something for themselves and like seeing the power in that and honoring that you know whether it is yeah, like you were saying, lesbian or trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming, fluid, bi, you know, all of it. Or I use death midwife, death doula, end of life doula, companion. <laughs> you know, it's like that is somebody's declaration of the space that they're inhabiting. And I think that's really sacred and needs to be treated as such. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that either. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it the other day with the coming out like story because, you know, that's like a never ending story, like process right. on some level. Um, but I was like, yeah, actually, you know, coming out as a deaf worker was um, just another layer of like, oh, ident self identifying and self accepting. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I feel like with doula for me, like I I associate doula with like, and I was trying to explain this to my wife the other day. We were walking on the beach. I mean, she gets it because she's actually a nurse practitioner, but um, by trade. But um, and pediatric is like her specialty. But I was saying like for doula for me is like the action of helping the dying, mm. like being with the dying, and the action of like either helping someone die whatever that whole thing looks like mm-hmm. for me midwife was more of an umbrella term um so i i know i can show up in these various ways right. but like really what i'm i'm really truly good at and interested in is community weaving oh yeah so and that was not something that was necessarily like oh and there's this other option it's just that is like organically it was like this is what i really like mm-hmm. like interviewing people like mm-hmm. you and letting people know that you exist you know yes so that's kind of where like I I feel like does that make sense like as far as like my understanding of doula also I know that that also means that you can do a lot of different things it's just kind of like you're you're with the dying war right that's that's so interesting because that's not actually <laughs> like what I what I personally okay do so like I'll give an example in our um I am one of the founding members of the PDX death doulas right collective here in Portland and which I is think, so awesome by the way oh, all of you are badass I thank you that's, that's a compliment I love it and I'll take it um it's such an amazing circle of people whenever I'm with them I just get like so hyped and I get so excited and just like (laughs) yes like we're changing everything this is amazing all this love and like creativity and passion for you know bringing death education and compassion and bringing it into the light too um so yeah they're incredible and I think we all use different terms and i that we would all define it completely differently. Okay. But I think for myself, I yeah. do use death doula. And I think I I use it because it is a fairly recognized term. Okay. Or it's one that I, at least I feel I have the most success with when I'm <clears throat> speaking to people who aren't very familiar with death work right I say death duels and they're kind of like oh okay like there's a little bit of a glimmer of um like recognition right right and my my personal passion you know I'm honored to sit with people in the dying process and um part of my massage work which we can maybe talk about a little bit later definitely goes with that but I'm surprisingly like jazz about advanced planning oh okay cool yeah kind of, and I did not expect that when I went into my program <laughs> I was like I'm gonna sit vigil I'm gonna do all these rituals because like my personal life especially as a practicing witch like is all about ritual mm. and creating meaning and um, I love that and even in like my shamanic Reiki practices with my client it's all very focused on that so like I just assumed cool death work I've already got this like underlying thing going on I know how to you know do rituals and altars and sit vigil and like call in community for people um but lo and behold I was like advanced planning yep that's it (laughs) so you know the clients that I have worked with most of the time I'm doing like 
I put together pre-planning packets for them. And we go and we go through like, here's kind of the organizational nitty gritty stuff. But what I love about getting through that process with people is that, first of all, there's like freedom in it. Mm -hmm. Kind of once you've tackled all like the advanced directive and the writing out where like all your important documents are and um, finding a durable power of attorney and, you know, yes, crossing all the T's and dotting the I's and everything. Um, there's a real freedom in having that done. Yes. And I think that's what I'm passionate about is like freeing people up then to show up in their lives. And once like the nuts and bolts are kind of taken care of, then we can start looking at death more expansively and like really figuring out like how how someone's death can be beautiful and personal and like very much their own and sometimes like just getting the paperwork out of the way is like a good door opening um, to the rest of that so yeah totally unexpected for me um would still be very happy to sit vigil with people but like <laughs> I want to catch folks way ahead of them <laughs> I think I thank you for explaining that because yeah I think that was one of the things you know I recognized right away like when we were just meeting that yeah there's misconceptions even within our own community about what the language means so it's really right. important you know, to hear from you, like, yes, I use doula, but this is what it means for me. And um, I, I feel like very similar, like last night I helped a friend plan a, a memorial um, via Zoom, um, which I'm glad to have like the knowledge and the confidence and all the things that I learned how to do that. Mm -hmm. But mostly that's not how I'm spending my days. So, you know, I, I use it as like a broad term because you know we were trained to do home funerals and funeral celebrancy and all kinds of things yes. but do I really feel like that's my truest calling no so yeah I totally I hear yeah I hear what you're saying like it's a recognizable terminal you know term um, mm -hmm. because birth doula you know is already something most people are or a lot more people are familiar with yeah by now yeah. Right. Yes. Especially by now. I mean, it definitely has like been creeping more and more back <laughs> into like right. our cultural vernacular. Right. <laughs> and same with death doula. It's just I don't. Maybe you've had this experience too. But like people, I've had people say like, "Oh, like that's getting really popular now, isn't it?" And mm -hmm. it's, well, yes, it is. But this is not a new practice. Right. You know what? What's new is people not dying at home what's new relatively new are people not being involved in like the care and dying and death of their family or their you know their kin however you define that right so it's like reminding people like birth doulas death doulas midwives of all of all stripes like we've been around for ever as long as people have been born and okay. people have been dying like, there's been doulas and midwives around so yes it's kind of funny to hear like oh yeah that's like kind of a new thing it's trending it's trending yeah, on it's twitter trendy. it's really funny because it's like sort of it's sort of like they're saying oh i hear people are dying you know these days right. and i'm like yeah that's been going on 
Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's yeah. actually what's been happening. Mm-hmm. But it's like such a, you know, um, like pearl clenching, like, you know, like, oh my God, I For can't sure. talk about that. Or it's so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned that you do Reiki and um, body work. So yes. was that kind of your gateway into death work? Oh, that's or, it's interesting. I, yeah, the, I know we're, we're both doing like hand motions. <laughs> I'm like, it's too bad we can't like translate, you know, big sweeping <laughs> fingers. Yeah, you can't do you that. You did a good job. Time. I think. I know. <laughs> I um, so I, like when I consider my through lines in life, right? The things that kind of keep coming back and it's sometimes it's hard to see the commonalities, you know, like if we're a little too close to a moment, but then like, as we get older, we can kind of look back and go, okay, that's interesting. So I, when I went to college, I went to UC Santa Cruz Hmm. and that's, that's where I found like my first queer community and really felt like I could identify um, as a queer person. And it was during that time that I also started doing work with um, the HIV Prevention Center okay. and working like in sort of risk reduction, facilitating workshop capacity. And I was also doing a lot of education and outreach around um, like heterosexism and intersecting forms of oppression and privilege. And so I was kind of getting my footing in that community. And then, um, so that's like kind of one of these lines that we'll come back to, I promise. <laughs> we, I'm weaving the web here. Yeah. And I, so I'd always been a dancer as well. I started dancing when I was two and just kind of kept going. Um, until I was like in my 20s and now I'm getting back into it again when I'm almost 40 which is nice (laughs) Uh, so I've always been very familiar with with bodies with physical body and I had finished college and I had like moved to New Zealand for a while which was great and like wow just a wild thing to do when you're 23 (laughs) hung out with a bunch of backpackers and that was a whole different story and season of my life (laughs) <laughs> and then I came back and I was like, oh my God, like what, what am I doing? What do I want to do? I have my degree in literature. Great. <laughs> I'm not sure what I can do with that. Books are good. <laughs> Great. I love books. Happily, happy to read just all the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anybody was going to pay me for that. So I started thinking about what else I really enjoyed doing. And I'd always really enjoyed, um, you know, experiencing like, my own body and and feeling very connected to other people as well like touch has always been my go-to as far as communication goes which man the pandemic really screwed that up right right um but i was like i and so i started thinking like what is what is this draw i have towards it um and i started researching massage therapy schools and i chose the national holistic institute um, and I moved to San Jose and I did a year of study there and it just opened up a lot for me because I started realizing like how instrumental touch connection is not just in this kind of like 
oh, I'm going to treat myself and get a massage, which by the way, everybody should, if it feels safe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you cannot, you cannot uh, underestimate like the power of relaxation, what that does for our immune systems. But I was, I became really interested in using my, my massage education to serve communities that, um, were marginalized or were not experiencing kind of comfort touch. Um, and so while I was doing my massage therapy school, I also did an internship at a place called the Living Center, which was a support, um, like a support center for folks living with HIV and AIDS. And they would have workshops and meetings and um like education and then I just like set up my table one of their backgrounds and I would welcome clients in and just I started it was that when I was starting kind of to develop an idea of my driving purpose for massage which is to help people remember that they have a body and that sounds a little weird but it's kind of silly to you know like we kind of forget sometimes like I don't we, think that sounds weird at all <laughs> yeah we, we can become like very disconnected yeah um, and that's a privileged thing because a lot of times people that feel disconnected from their bodies are not people that are living with severe illness or chronic illness or chronic pain because yeah. that can be a sort of con- like a constant reminder of a body but it it can be very tied to grief as well and so what I wanted to offer folks was I'm reminding you that you have a body that you have a safe place to be in and we can create that space for you together like I will I will walk with you I don't I personally don't use the word healer Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been really co-opted by the white woman wellness trend and as a cisgendered white woman I'm like I need to not (laughs) not use that uh so I tend to use like guide or companion um I see that's the thing again it's like the terminology it's comfortable right yes exactly I love that feel comfortable so I use this instead Um, healer is okay for other people if that's what they feel but like yeah I get I understand for me it was just like I need to find a different word for myself um, and so, yeah, just basically like creating a safe space for people in a body that either society has told them it is wrong or, you know, perhaps they're in a situation in their lives where they're receiving a lot of medical touch, but perhaps not a lot of like soothing comfort, like loving touch. And I want to be very clear that, um, Sometimes I say that and people immediately assume sexual touch. Right, right. And <laughs> I am not a sex worker. I fully <laughs> right. support sex workers. And I right, think that can be very healing in a lot of ways as well. But it's not the work I do. Right. Um, yeah, I've had too many conversations where people are like, oh, massage therapist, winky wink. I'm like, okay, no, that's not what I do, you know? Right. <laughs> and then you have to like set aside time. Feel right. like yeah. It's actually a, a job and a living. And if that's what you choose to do, like, yeah, it's like. Yeah, it's not my path. It's like, <laughs> somebody was like, oh, IT, huh? Wink, wink. I'm like, right. no, that's not my job. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I. I just, I really felt like pretty early on, very committed to helping people feel back at home in themselves. And 
I think that came from working early on with um, folks that were living with HIV and also as a queer person, seeing how so many of my friends and lovers struggled with their physical body. And because I think because there was this pervasive voice telling, kind of telling our community, like, you are wrong in your body. Mm -hmm. you know, this is not this is not the way a quote-unquote woman is or like you're not the right kind of lesbian or whatever it is and it, it creates this disconnect and especially for like my friends um who are trans or were in the state of transitioning too that right. staying connected to their body was really hard and oftentimes very painful so that is kind of like a very long answer to you. I don't even remember the original question. <laughs> well, I was kind of wondering like what your entry point was, but yeah, I think like, that's yeah, that's, that's really, um, first of all, it's really beautiful. I love that. that I mean, it's amazing contribution to, you know, our community, but also just in general. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. And I, I do think that, you know, there is this intersection between our our bodies as queer people. Like I just read this morning, you know, some political person is saying like queers are filth and trans is the abomination. So for as much as we try to deflect and not see that, you know, that's really what's happening. And that's really impacting our community and our safety and like our reality. Yes. So to have that kind of, um, you know, person, that can represent and be grounding because you have a very grounding presence oh, immediately I was like oh I feel very comfortable <laughs> thank you I, I love like, hearing that I'm at your house and I'm having tea you know. okay that's the dream we're gonna do like a road trip situation death, yeah. death summer camp <laughs> I love this idea death summer camp that came from your people um nicole oh, and yeah. uh of course it came from nicole or yeah yeah well, where it happens i don't know but i'm on board absolutely uh -huh. yes oh yeah this this will have to be like a whole separate podcast we could do like a, a yes. death like a death uh <laughs> summer camp <laughs> i'm putting that intention out there i'm serious mm -hmm. because oh yeah i'm gonna like light some candles we're gonna do a whole thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bring it on it's happening um, oh, so yes, uh, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate hearing that. Um, I think I remember A. Lewis saying that in this work that sometimes like you can wish desperately that there was a different song in your heart, you know, that you could hear something different because it can be really, really hard and really sad sometimes. But I also wouldn't trade it for anything else. Um, so I do, I feel like 99.9% .9 of the time, I just feel really, really lucky and, and grateful that this is what I'm here to do. Um, but all that does lead up to death work as well. And so I think working with people that had, you know, severe illness or life limiting diagnoses, I was already kind of like in the periphery of that world and, um then my one second checking my battery okay um and then in 2016 january 7th at 2 44 p.m to be exact 
uh, my mom died and that was like I don't know the the galvanizing moment that I knew I mean well not in that like very very moment in that instant I was like blown out of my body somewhere like miles under the sea and I didn't surface again for six months but once I surfaced I I was thinking about like what I wish I had known what I wish like my family had known and had access to like my community our community of friends and family had known um and I was just like, I don't, I don't want people to feel lost in this. You know, I want people to feel held and supported and convenient. So I started um, volunteering with the local, um, my dog is snoring so loudly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just slightly distracting, Joe. Thank you. Um, So I started volunteering with a local hospice and Um, really immersing myself more in educating myself about death and dying and about grief while I was also going through it too. Mm -hmm. And um, then, you know, I, I kind of, I kept volunteering and it was always like in the, you know, part of my life, but not really like fully. And I was developing my own massage therapy practice again because I'd been working primarily to support my family for a while. And I had my massage therapy practice going for about a year. And then March 13th, 2020, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, my son's school shut down okay. and kind of the world stopped. And it was like, I had to close my massage practice. I was like, I, I don't even know where to go from here but I had that lingering draw that pull towards continuing with death work and so I signed up for going with grace and I just followed that call and it was absolutely the right thing to do and you know I I don't want to silver lining this pandemic because it's been devastating I mean there aren't really words to to describe what's happened and what continues to happen um for me it was there were some blessings and that I was able to to focus on this and kind of start pulling all those threads together of like I can offer I can offer my massage work to caregivers and to to folks who are actively dying you know people we need touch until the very end. It is often our last form of communication right. and our last, our last way of being very present with somebody. So I finished the training and then I felt like, okay, I can go back and I can pick up all of these threads that I've been like collecting through my life and start weaving them into the work that I want to do. And that's how my business was born and like, how I got to be part of this collective and you know while while I miss my mother hugely like every moment um I'm also grateful in a way Mm -hmm. that I I was with her when she died I experienced the moment of her death and that I've experienced this 
absolutely monstrously disorienting process of grief. Um, so I can, yeah, I can look back at that with a, a thankful heart that I can carry that with me and use that um, yeah. as a connection with people because it's something that we're all going to have in common at some point in our lives. All of us are going to lose somebody that we love um, and our world is going to kind of etch a sketch, you know, it's going to be shaken apart and how we can show up for those people. Um, I think is the question that a lot of us, even those of us who aren't working in this industry, need to ask ourselves, like, how do we do that? How right. do we, how do we connect? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a really good point, you know, that it's not just, um, you know, it's not just a workplace. <laughs> yeah, of, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a, it's a life situation. And, um, you know, Similarly, I was pushed towards it because of my own experiences with like immediate death in my life, but it was always there, mm-hmm. you know, in, in these very strange ways. I always felt very connected to spirit and um, yeah. ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like amazing that there are these now educators mm-hmm. that are like preparing us, you know. Like little, right. death, little death warriors that we are. Um, <laughs> it really is. It's it's really like pioneering, which is why I think like, you know, whatever terminology or whatever you identify or whatever work you decide is right for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is not something that um, has already been established for years and years and years as far as like how it's emerging now, how yeah. it's, you know, right transforming now like mm-hmm. you know yeah historically it's always been there and usually you know like some overlap with like witches and yeah <laughs> spiritual uh people but um the way that it's developing is like we get to decide you know how we're going to take our individual strengths and you know mm-hmm. kind of pull that together as death workers which is really cool like whether it's working with children Mm -hmm. for some people um or you know all different types of you know people are like that's that's where I'm gonna focus um right yes I I love that and that um that's been one of like the the biggest most beautiful gifts about being part of the collective that I'm part of is that all of us have different interests interests and strengths that we bring mm-hmm. to the group and so you know if if one of us gets approached by a client and they're seeking something that we don't do we can say you know what i have exactly the person that that can you know fill this need for you right um because it is i mean it's so vast and yeah it's so so broad and like the needs of each individual that comes searching for one of us it's going to be different because like dying and death is so personal and individual so yeah there are we're all going to come to the table and say like here here's how I can be of service um and for me it was a long process of knowing like 
and accepting that I did not have to know and do everything. So I'm not sure if that's ever been <laughs> part of your journey, but oh yeah, like I felt like I had to know and understand the A to Z of of what happened in end of life care. And right. I I do understand, but like I don't I don't have to specialize in all of that. You know, same with my massage work. Like I don't have to know every single modality. That would be insane. (laughs) But I can refer people and I would do the same as in you know, in death work. Yeah, I find myself in the same situation. Absolutely. Like I I definitely I took my classes all before pandemic, officially became a death midwife at the edge of twenty nineteen. And then was like, here I go. And then it was like, Uh, oh, (laughs) now what? But because it's like this unfolding, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is what, you know, it's leading me blindly towards, or it feels a little bit like not being able to see with my eyes, Uh but just like, yeah, from like this inner place. Right, that inner space, exactly. I, I think that this, (laughs) <laughs> these unprecedented times <laughs> that are not actually unprecedented, but right. you know, that's how people are referring to it um, has created a real awareness of liminal space yeah. right? and liminality and existing and having to walk kind of figure out our own path. There's not a lot of guideposts and signs and existing between um, a lot of different worlds and I think death workers in general are are naturally good at existing in those in-between spaces yeah and I also think that queer people are are sort of naturals in in that liminal space because we do have to <clears throat> we've had to create our identities and our communities outside of parameters, you know, these sort of arbitrary, like, this is the one thing that we recognize. Right. And as queer people are like, hmm, nah, <laughs> I'm gonna opt out of that and I'm gonna create my own world. I'm going to exist in this space and I'm going to make it something beautiful and nourishing and welcoming for other folks. And so I think like, as queer death workers, we've got like <laughs> double whammy talent for for being in these these spaces okay. and also these unknown times. So, right, I mean, getting hit with the pandemic was devastating for our businesses, but I think those of us who have had practice just in existing in our day-to-day life, maybe we're able to pivot a bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I've been telling myself (laughs) right you know I think I think we were a little bit more um you know if you're already kind of in that kind of service to Mm -hmm. people and to you know um yeah like to the unseen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're kind of already familiar with how that goes and yeah I, I I feel like there's some silver linings here for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wanting to, um, you know, 
keep, I guess, paying forward or something by, you know, making connections and, yeah. um, you know, because it's still kind of like mercurial in some ways, like where is this headed? Or what is this going to be like in 10 years from now? So I really mm -hmm. love what you guys are doing as far as collective work. Um, that's like one of my passions is like, you know, um, community, which we started out our conversation talking about, you know, right. the, the essentialness of that, especially mm -hmm. as queers, but also as sex workers. Um, yes. So, but before we go, I'm going to ask you one last question for my little magic deck of questions. Oh, oh, yes. Um, but I really, really appreciate you talking with me today. I just want to say that also. Um, and I hope that we get to do it again. Be oh my gosh, I would love that. Death summer camp or, you know, you know, because I just feel like it's just, you know, checking in with a friend, like yeah. what's happening, you know, six months from now or oh no these conversations will continue yeah. yeah forever and i am definitely here for death summer camp i yeah. want t-shirts like <laughs> puppy mugs i want it all and i i really appreciate the space that you are creating i think um it's it's just really really beautiful and i was listening obviously to i've been listening to the previous guests and i um, I definitely had a moment of like hardcore imposter syndrome where I was like, oh my gosh, she's talking to these super amazing people. And then I had to stop myself and be like, they are amazing and they do know a lot, but also Caitlin, like, so do you. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I, I find that a lot in um, the death work community where a lot of us are second guessing ourselves pretty frequently. Like, who am I to answer this call? Who am I to be the one that like, walks with somebody through the dying process and my response is like you are you and that is exactly who you need to be and like there is worth and there is knowledge and like we just need to be able to inhabit that space more comfortably so it's a good reminder for myself as well <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that because I I completely agree I think like you know um starting this process is really about shining a light on our communities and mm -hmm. whether that you show up as an artist, you know, or you show up as a death worker or you're queer or you're all of the above, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, I think what is really cool is like other people will hear, you know, these stories and then they'll be like, oh, well now I can say like, I've heard from someone what right. this actually means and your explanation of like what being a doula is for you you know mm -hmm. will shed some light of you know like then it, somebody else might be like I really yeah I get it or like that's cool or I hadn't thought about that um yeah. if it just gets like a couple more people sort of on board or feeling comfortable with like you know that self-acceptance that self-identifying then mm -hmm. great yes happy <laughs> yeah i know same yeah and we, that's what we that's our like our missive it's just to keep mm -hmm. like spreading the good word about right. that yeah, <laughs> right. have you heard <laughs> i hear people are dying yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, that that definitely occurs <laughs> Ooh, so this question. little card says what's the last thing you've done that's really worth remembering 
Oh, the last thing I've done that's really worth remembering. <laughs> oh. So this I have started like I don't want to say scaling back on my quote unquote worth remembering standards, but rather really being present and aware of like what is what is joyful and like tender and fun in my day to day. So my son, we adopted him in 2017 and he just turned five and he is like I'm adopted also free adoption. <laughs> um and he is just like the funniest, weirdest little ball of like joyful tornado. I mean <laughs> He is, he is inhabiting some other planet and I love it. Yes. And so like just, I mean, this morning, like helping him get dressed for school and it's dark out and he, his current favorite outfits or anything Halloween. So he's got like these super tight leggings that have like candy and jack-o'-lanterns all over them. I love it. And he, was, <laughs> like, he put one on one leg and then he had like the other one loose and he was running around and being like, I'm a spider kid. I'm a spider kid. And like. <laughs> So just like moments like that for me are going to be worth remembering. And I keep, I keep a little journal that I'm going to give him maybe in like 20 years or so of just moments like that. And like my thoughts on, on motherhood and yeah, I just, I try to take those um, with me as I, like, as I move throughout my days because that's the stuff that I really hope I'm remembering on my deathbed, you know? I've done like cool big stuff, but I it's the little things I think that I'm really gonna wanna unpack my my like emotional suitcase at the end of my life and go, oh yeah, like remember how weird my kid was when he was five? <laughs> like, great. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that so much. How about you? Can you answer the question? I would love to hear your response. Um, first of all, that's an amazing answer. And I have a 23 year old now. So oh, I do remember when he was spider kid and he made up a song that was like about Spider-Man in the jungle. And I can still remind him of that. And I feel oh. like um, he needs to be brought into a real moment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose yourself. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really about the small moments too. Um, you know, it's like, I think I'm so grateful, you know, every single day because, you know, I've lived through a lot of existential trauma. Mm. Um, so the last thing I did was, I guess like last night we went, you know, which is not uncommon of my wife and I, but we went to the beach, we saw mm -hmm. the sunset. Mm -hmm. And it was spectacular. And, um, you know, we're, we're really homesick at times, like I was telling you before, um, mm -hmm. from the East Coast, but we're just also like super present. So like, you know, we both love what we're doing. We love where we are. We're yeah. excited about like the future. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm like, can we, can we possibly get like a death camp set up at our house? <laughs> Yes. So I would say like, you know, that that's where I'm at. Like, you know, I'm right. really looking forward to this and you know, that's 
You're right. Yeah, I think this conversation could definitely be like something I chalk up to to that experience as well. That's, yeah, really beautiful. I know, collect those sunsets, you know, take those moments and it's, yeah, that what, what constitutes our daily life is what makes up our whole life. So, you know, the moments that we hold on to um, or that we're present for, yeah, really do count for literally our whole existence. <laughs> so true. Well, thank you so much. Oh, this and is a really, really wonderful moon. Thank you. Absolutely. I can't wait to do it again. Can't wait for death camp. Can't wait. <laughs> Well, I always learn so much when I re-listen to these conversations. And I'm so appreciative of Caitlin listening and, and helping me grapple with these words and what they mean. I mean, recently someone was rather hostile towards me about using the word mis- uh, midwife and saying I was sort of misappropriating it. Um, which gave me pause. You know, I'm not an expert. I don't think any of us are, actually. I think we're learning from each other. And I love that, you know, with Caitlin, we sort of discussed how these words, they're pretty synonymous, right? Death doula, death midwife, companion, walker, whisperer, sojourner, all of them. It's really about the intention that you offer and what feels comfortable for you. And speaking of comfortable, I think it's hilarious that our dogs were just so much a part of our conversation. I mean, my little dog, Teddy, he was barking jealously because I wasn't paying attention to him for two seconds. And then her dog, Joe, was snoring, which is just, it's just so cute. Um, If you would like to reach out to Caitlin, you can find her on Instagram as Kaim, C-A-I-M, or again as one of the Portland um, Death Doula Collective members and please say hello for me um, Moon. <laughs> and my next guest I met through um, a mutual friend and is a co-host of a fabulous queer podcast called Queers Next Door so make sure you go and find them um, and I was lucky enough to be a guest on their show recently and talk about death and queerness um but i met them through uh their friend lee who is a sex coach actually and lee came on my other podcast called strange moon where i talk about ghost stories and true crime and um lee said you know you should really meet my friend megan because megan is uh, a writer and also is a survivor of a homicide. So one thing that I'm really interested in is trying to understand why we don't really talk about that kind of death very much in our community when we know that it happens constantly and it definitely impacts all of us on some level, right? I mean, vicarious grief and so on. I think it often gets really galvanized where we are celebrating 
you know, the crime and the criminal instead of trying to understand how to best support those who are impacted the most. And in this situation, Megan um, is using writing and a lot of other tools to navigate PTSD and grief. And she is an amazing person. And I, I love her so much. And I'm so grateful that she shared her story with me. So that's what's up next. Um, are we friends yet on Instagram or Twitter? I'm there as Querida Stories and Strange Moon. And I would love to be friends with you. If you would like to be a guest on either of my shows, please reach out to me. Um, I do have a website. It's kind of a work in progress still. Going to be honest about that. Um, but please just reach out to me and let me know that you'd like to share your story. I'm almost completely booked for season two, but not entirely booked yet. So if you've got a friend who's got an amazing story, please let me know. Okay. Until next time, please do me a favor. Take really good care out there. Thank you so much for all the kind words and support. It really does mean a lot. This is a labor of love. And thanks for sharing the show with your friends. And I guess I'll see you soon. Bye.